Two old friends shared a room in a home for the elderly. Confined to their beds, their bodies giving way. Old Joe lay by the window and he watched the day go by. And Bill lived to hear him tell about the world outside. They shared with each other stories of their lives and relived all their memories and dreams of a better time. Outside, the leaves were changing and summer turned into fall. And from the bed by the window, old Joe described it all. From the bed by the window, he'd tell how the children played. The lovers in the park and the ducks out on the lake. The little boy that swept the sidewalk when the sun come come up each day from the bed by the window. Joe told it just that way. On a cold winter morning, in the light of the dawn, the bed by the window was empty. Old Joe had passed and gone. They moved Bill by the window and he couldn't hold back the tears because Bill finally saw the view outside after all these years. From the bed by the window, you couldn't see out at all. There was nothing outside the window but a big old brick wall. A new friend now shares the room in this home for the elderly. Confined to his bed, his body given way. Now Bill lay by the window as the days would go by. And his new friend left to hear him tell about the stories of the world outside. From the bed by the window... Bill told how the children played about the lovers in the park and the ducks out on the lake. About the little boy that swept the sidewalk when the sun came up each day from the bed by the window. Bill told it just that way. Two old friends shared a room in the home for the elderly. Now this morning... As we are here, we could look at that story and, and we could say, you know what? Old Joe just told a big fat lie. And now Bill's following one. But this morning, and, uh, Nikki, I'll have to get you to advance, please, for me on these slides. This morning, as we think about this, we think about the, yes, there was some Untruths told in this situation. But the fact of the matter is, Joe, every single day, for those years, he brought his friend Bill some encouragement. Bill didn't realize what was going on. Now, now Bill would later, he would later see and he would realize that, that Joe had just been encouraged him. Now, now Bill's doing the same. Bill's encouraging somebody else. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn them to Acts chapters 4, 9, and 15. And I'm not going to read it per se as a text, but I want to take you on a journey 
through the book of Acts. And, and I've titled this message, Dare to be a Barney, but I'm not talking about Fife. Fife is one of my favorite characters. You know, I, 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 you know, I love Barney Fife. Uh, we, we, we watch, two of my favorite characters, uh, that I, we watch on TV is Barney Fife and the other one is Hans Schultz on Hogan's Hero. I know nothing. Okay. For you in the room that old enough to understand. You know, Barney can nip it in the bud. Schultz knows nothing. But this is not really about Fife. Daring to be a Barnaby this morning, I want to preach to you about a fellow that is actually named Barnabas. You see, we all need to be encouraged. Joe encouraged Bill, as I've already said. As we look at these scriptures, I want us to look at the encourager that we find in Barnabas. Because just like Joe and Bill and the other fellow that ended up in that nursing home room, they were encouragers of each other. You see, Barnabas, uh, you know, was his name, but Barnabas wasn't his given name. When you study the scripture, you find out that Barnabas' name was actually Joseph. It was Joseph of Syria. But Barnabas was given a nickname, Barnabas, simply because he was an encourager of men. Now, I don't know if Fife got his name because he was an encourager of men, uh, but, but you and I can be an encourager of other people. You see, apparently Barnabas in Scripture had a reputation that preceded him. Therefore, he had been given that nickname. If you would, Nikki, go ahead and advance to the next slide. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, we read of the Scripture that tells us about what I've just described to you. In that scripture it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want you to see there that Barnabas had no title. Barnabas was not an apostle. He was just a common, everyday guy, just like any of us in this room, just like any of you watching by a live stream or listening by EV radio this morning. He was, he was just a commoner of sorts, if you would. He, he did not carry the title of an apostle. You know, sometimes you and I feel like that we have to have a title. Sometimes you and I feel like that, that we have to have a position of, of sorts. But really when we search out the kingdom of God and, and you begin to, you begin to look at numbers, there were only 12 apostles and we know there's, there's been many apostles that God has risen up in the work of, of being an apostle since then. But really when we begin to look at the kingdom of God and what God's designed and what God's formed in front of us, there are more people that do not carry titles than there are those that do. You see, and that's the work of the church. You see, we, we don't have, certainly there are people that have leadership calling. Certainly there are people that have certain specific anointings on them to lead and to guide in those areas. But there are more people that do not have those titles than do. That brings it down to 
what if you want to call it commoners i you know i i don't necessarily care for that term myself or if you just want to call it regular people i, I you know maybe that's okay or if you just want to call it just your average joe uh you know that's okay too but because barnabas was an average joe he was joseph from syria but yet he had acquired the nickname if you would barnabas the son of encouragement you see that is very unique to us this morning because Barnabas is able to be an encourager because Barnabas had been set free by, by Jesus Christ. You see, because we're told in these scriptures that, 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 that Barnabas as we know him, he actually was a Levite. But it's apparent that, that Barnabas had been set free through and by the liberating power of Jesus Christ because Barnabas owned land. You see, a Levite couldn't own land under the Levitical law. Under the priesthood, he could not be a landowner. But Barnabas had been set free. Not, you know, the, the work of the Levite, the priesthood served a plan and a purpose in the time of the Old Testament before the, the, before Christ became incarnate and before Jesus gave his life on the cross. There was a time that, 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 that it served a purpose and it served its purpose well. And we don't know exactly how old Barnabas was here, but I, I would tend to think he was probably at least up in a few years. And, and when we look at Barnabas's life, we find that he had been liberated, no doubt, through Jesus Christ because he had become a landowner. He was no longer bound to those Levitical ordinances. And because he had been set free through, free through Christ, Barnabas now, we find him taking what he had been given in his liberty through Christ and selling it and bringing it to the apostles' feet and giving it to the church. Now this is a wonderful picture. If you don't catch it, let me help you just a little bit more. What happens is Barnabas is set free from, through, through the power of Jesus Christ from the things that he was bound to before and what, what he has been set free from. It always happens in our life group time. It always happens, and we talked about this in life group, what Barnabas had been set free from, he gave up again in order that he may follow Jesus. So Barnabas releases what he has and he brings it to the disciples' feet. If you'll go forward, please, Nikki. There's three critical areas of encouragement that I want to preach to you about this morning. The first critical area of encouragement is the encouragement of generosity. The encouragement of generosity. Now, don't, don't get alarmed. This is not just simply a message on tithe and offering, okay? Uh, in fact, if you've ever noticed, those of you that are fairly new with us, maybe this is your first time with us this morning, you will notice that we don't pass an offering plate. Uh, we just believe that, that God will give you a spirit of generosity and as you go out the door, there will be people to wait upon you. And if you want to give, bless God, give unto the work of the Lord. But, but there is an encouragement of generosity that Barnabas brings to us. You see, he forsook that elite status of being a Levite. But not, he forsook that elite status of being a Levite to become an encourager. We know that because of his nickname. But, but he was not only an encourager, but we see that because he was an encourager, Barnabas became an enabler. Now, sometimes becoming an enabler can have a very negative connotation to it. 
Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can enable people to do themselves more harm than good. Sometimes we can enable people to do things that, that are not good and not sound for their, their future. But here we find that Barnabas has taken on a work of encouragement that, and that encouragement has come through his generosity that is enabling the church to advance into another level that it had not yet found at this moment in time. Because we don't know how much exactly Barnabas got out of that land, but we would be, we would think and we would be led to think through this scripture that suddenly, suddenly Barnabas has took on this attitude of encouragement and he says, I'm going to take on some generosity. I'm going to sell my land. He could have done anything he wanted to with that land. He could have done anything he wanted to with the proceeds of that land, but he makes the decision that I am going to take the proceeds from this land and I'm going to take it and lay it at the feet of the apostles. In other words, I'm going to invest it into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, you know, we, there's many of you in this room that probably has some retirement. I got a retirement statement there yesterday, some, uh, some information, and I wasn't too happy about what I was seeing on some of it. It was going in the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. You know, but we just leave it alone and we just wait, and we're just hoping that everything will come out good before we get ready to retire. Uh, but you know what? When we invest in the kingdom of God, it is a win-win plan. Now, I'm not investing as a necessarily a retirement plan, but I invest in the kingdom of God's plan because I happen to believe it's a plan that works. I believe it's a plan that as we reap, so shall we, as we sow, so shall we reap. I happen to believe that anything that I invest in the kingdom of God, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about my time. I'm talking about my resources. I'm talking about what little intelligence I have. I'm talking about all of my good looks, of course. I'm talking about everything that I have invested it into. The good looks was a joke. Many of you didn't laugh except John. I'm talking about, I'm talking about investing everything that I have into the kingdom of God. And as I invest that into the kingdom of God, as I, I give everything I have unto Him, that work, that spirit of generosity is working through me, but that is an encouraging spirit that's going to encourage someone else. It's going to encourage the kingdom of God. You see, Barnabas gave up his life to follow the apostles. And the apostles, if you would, were the picture of the kingdom of God. It's the picture of who Christ is. That's all Jesus is asking for us. For us is our everything. You say, well, what does Jesus want of me? That's very simple. He just wants everything. You say, man, that's, that's selfish. No, it's not. Not, not. not when you consider a person that gave everything to you that you may have everything. It's little to ask that you give him everything. Does that make sense? Amen. Go ahead, Nikki. So we, we come to, we come to the second thing I want to share with you is an encouragement of fellowship. And encourage, go one more slide. The encouragement of fellowship. As we begin to think about the encouragement of fellowship, I want you to understand this is not only the importance of the church, but it's also the importance of camaraderie in the kingdom. Go ahead, Nick. Paul, Acts chapter 9, when he, Paul, 
when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Let me pause right there. Understand with me. Paul, actually, when you read in Scripture, at this point, he is still being called Saul in these particular passages of Scripture. They looked at him as being Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Saul that held the coat while Stephen was stoned to death. This is the guy that let them drape all of their garments over his arm while the rest of them threw rocks to bash Stephen to death. This is, this is the guy that had some, maybe some moms and dads or, or other relatives or friends or the local pastor, the, the, you know, the converted rabbi. This is the guy that signed the papers to have people beheaded and hung, executed because they were following Jesus. They were of that Jesus movement. This is, this is the guy that had, that, that was mean and he was vicious and he was, he was well rounded in the, in the world of Phariseeism. He, he, he probably had more knowledge probably than anybody, any of the other. He was one of the chief Pharisees. But suddenly if you read the story, if you've read the story and you know, God gave him a dirt road baptism face down in the dirt. And he came up with his eyes blinded and, 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 and God made a change in Saul's life and he became Paul. And it was a circumstance of instantaneous, sudden, without reservation, conversion of who Paul Saul was into the Apostle Paul. But these people didn't know it. They didn't have any of the news. They didn't have the internet. They, they, it was just all word of mouth. And of course it was a much smaller, uh, geographically it was a much smaller area than w- probably what we're accustomed to in our modern day of living. But these people didn't really know that they could trust this guy. And here's Barnabas, the encourager. Here's Barnabas, the encourager, and he's bringing, he's bringing this guy alone. And as he brings this guy alone to introduce him to them, then they're a little skeptical about what's going on. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You see, there was an encouragement of fellowship that happened here. Barnabas believed in Paul, and because he believed in Paul, when others refused to, he encouraged Paul. He encouraged the fellowship of the ministry. He hand-delivered Paul to these apostles, and then he expressed his confidence in Paul. Can I say this to you right now? Everybody needs somebody to believe in them. Everybody needs somebody to believe in them. You may be sitting in this room this morning. You may be watching live stream this morning. But wherever we're at in life, Everybody at some time, every one of us have needed, had the need of someone to believe in us in that moment that we were in. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, believed in the Apostle Paul. Now, he believed in the Apostle Paul. Of course, I'm very confident because 
he, he believed in the work of Christ. He believed that what Jesus had done in Paul's life. But you know what? You and I, we need to believe in somebody. We need somebody to believe in us from time to time. But but I'm preaching from the other side of the coin this morning. We need to believe in somebody. Now, of course, now listen to me. I know we worship Jesus. We follow Jesus. We have confidence in certain people, certain preachers, maybe certain certain uh, other people that are engaged in our life. There's nothing wrong with having confidence in people. But you and I, we need to learn to start believing in people. We need to start learning to believe in people that others don't believe in. Are you with me? Because that's exactly what happened here with Paul and Barnabas. Saul, actually, at that time, and Barnabas. Barnabas believed in Saul. He believed in the conversion that had occurred on the road to Damascus. And because he believed in Saul, he was now bringing Saul into the fellowship of believers. Do you know what? This morning, I want to share this with you statistically. Do you know what? The days of somebody just showing up at church, the days of somebody just making their way into the kingdom of God, get coming to church or even get just getting saved on their own. Those days as we know it here in this country, they're they're almost past and gone. They're almost unheard of. But you know what? When you and I will begin to invest in somebody else's life and we will begin to believe in somebody else and we will begin to encourage somebody else, we will begin to sow into their lives even if it doesn't seem that it's worthy at the moment, if we will begin to encourage and sow into other people's lives. You see, Jesus did yours and mine. Now, of course, we know that He is God. We know that Jesus knows us from head to toe, inside out, and everything else there is to know about us. But Jesus invested in us when He came and He gave Himself on the cross of Calvary. He was investing in us even before we were, if you would, worth investing in. Sometimes you and I need to learn that we as be take on the spirit of Barnabas, be a Barney, and invest into people. Encourage somebody. Encourage them and let them know that Jesus can make a way where there is no way because He is that way maker. He is that miracle worker. He is that promise keeper. He is light in the darkness. And He will make a way where there is no way. But you and I have the responsibility of expressing confidence and encouraging people. In fact, Paul later wrote this to the church at Rome. After all this happened, after, after he's hooked up with Barnabas for a while, Paul writes from a, from a, uh, a jail cell to the church at Rome, a real smart group of people. He says this in Romans chapter 12. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now let me tell you something. God has called us. He has called us into the encouragement of fellowship. He's called us into the encouragement of friendship. Uh, yeah, hey, I know we're in church this morning, and and I and I have, I, I unashamedly admit that I am a churchman. I'm a churchman. I still value the assembly of people together. I still value the fellowship of people one with another. Uh, you know, what was, several years ago, Sarah and I were on a missions trip, 
uh, into Mozambique, Africa. And while we were in Mozambique, Africa, somebody robbed us. Uh, they cut through. We weren't in the hut at the moment, but they cut through our hut with a machete. They stole everything we had. We were scared to death. I told somebody, I said, I was scared to death, you know, because, you know, us, us guys, we got to be macho. I said, I'm, I was scared to death and I ain't afraid of nothing. But man, it was dark. It was pitch black. No electricity. You don't understand how dark it gets until there's nothing but starlights overhead. And they took us and they said, oh, we got another, we got another hut we'll put you in. It was actually a cinder block hut, but it still had a grass roof on it. And I'm laying there in bed with my bride at, at, at nighttime and I'm thinking, you know, there's some guy out there or guys with a machete, with machetes. And you know, this thing's got a grass roof on it. What difference is cinder block going to make? All they have to do is jump up on the roof and cut a hole through. I want to tell you in that night, though, we, my wife and I, were together on the other side of the world, but in, in the pitch darkness, you couldn't see your hand in front of your head. I want you to know something. I never felt any more alone in all of my life than I did in that moment. What I wouldn't have done to have a, a church full of people with the lights on in that night. That was the longest night, probably one of the longest nights I've ever spent in my life. But I want to tell you something. Every single one of us have periods of loneliness, loneliness in our life. We have periods of separation when we're even in a crowd of people. But that is even the more reason that we need a church. We need to, as the Bible says, to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as some is. That's why it's good for us to come together, warm bodies, warm hearts, even if we don't agree all the time, even if there's aggravating people all the time, even if there's that woman that says, you got my seat, even if there's that that, that fellow says, you got my favorite spoon out of the drawer over in the fellowship hall, put all that aside. Listen, the church is, I don't know, I don't know why I'm doing this, John, but the church has always had people in it. That's what the church is made of. And sometimes there are aggravating people in the church, but the church is still necessary. The church is still good. The church brings us into fellowship and it's in that fellowship that we encourage one another. Roll on, Nikki. I'm running late. It's Nikki's fault. Go on. And then we bring to place to encouragement during failure. Go ahead. Encouragement during failure. One more slide, Nick. Okay. Back, back up, back up. Encouragement during failure. Acts 15, verses 33 through 39. Acts 15, verses 33 through 39. After spending some time there, Paul and Barnabas, after spending some time there, they were, they, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch. They remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Listen to this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark better known to us as John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he, John Mark, had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. 
They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas, Barnabas, the encourager, took Mark, John Mark, and sailed for Cyprus. I want you to understand this. Paul and Barnabas did not agree, did not disagree on the purpose. Paul and Barnabas didn't disagree on the purpose. They just had a disagreement on the person. Okay? That's very important to us this morning. They didn't disagree on the purpose, yet they disagreed on the person. You see, John Mark had broken trust with them in Pamphylia. And speculated, some Bible scholars speculate that John Mark, uh, simply, uh, you know, that, that he, he may have not had counted the cost and he simply grew weak and, and he didn't realize what he was taking on. We have no evidence of that. It's merely speculation. But it's more likely that John Mark had, had a disagreement with Paul and, and so, you know, as we are, because we're, you know, we're, how us people are, sometimes we'll get a little angry, we'll get a little mad at each other. And I know y'all are Christians and that don't never happen to y'all. I know you all, I know, I know you never get mad, you never get angry with your wife. You never get upset with your, your kids. You never get upset. You never go for those moments without speaking. And my wife and I, we made an agreement many years ago that we would never go to bed and go to sleep without speaking to one another. That makes for some long nights, I want to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We are very we have a very blessed relationship. But it's speculated maybe John Mark and may, John Mark and, and Saul, maybe they had had a disagreement and, and, and that they had never reconciled. But here's what we see happening in this verse of scripture. Barnabas, the son of the encourager, be a Barney, be a Barney. Barnabas He took his gift of encouragement. His gift of encouragement exceeded his loyalty to his friend Paul. Because Barnabas saw the need that John Mark needed to be encouraged. Paul was wanting to kick John Mark to the curb. He was wanting to say, no, I'm done with him. We're through. You ever had somebody you looked at and you felt that way about? No, I'm through with him. I'm through with him. I have nothing else to do with. Hello, curl your toes up right now at this point. No, I'm going to have nothing else to do with you. That's the way Paul was. No, we're not taking, are you crazy, Barney? We're not taking John Mark. I don't even like the guy anymore. He's not going with us. Barnabas says, okay, fine. I'm not going with you, but I'm taking John Mark. Now you see, this is looked upon in, 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 in biblical terms and in advancement of the gospel. This is, was a, was a point of division that it doesn't sound pleasant and it doesn't look pleasant, but because of this point of division, then the gospel was fed, spread further around the world. But the fact of the matter is, Barnabas had a choice to make. Do I remain faithful to Paul or do I make a choice to go and be an encourager to John Mark? Yeah, we, we, and it's not about us choosing sides. You see, we, we struggle with that, don't we, sometimes, as people. It doesn't mean that Barnabas took sides. No, it doesn't mean Barnabas took sides. But what it does mean, that Barnabas made a decision to operate in the gifting that God gave him as an encourager. 
you and I, every one of us in this room, we're called to be encouragers. We're called to, to edify people. We're called, we're called to encourage them on down the road. That, and, and you see, what, one thing that we, we struggle with as people many times, we struggle with thinking when we're encouraging people that we're putting a seal of approval on their lifetime, uh, on their lifestyle. I'm not, I don't, it's, it's not that, that when I, you know, it's not when the person that is, that has an addiction or the person that, that is struggling with, 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 uh, God, God forbid, abominable life. It's not that I approve of their lifestyles, but yet I'm called to encourage them in the ways of the Lord. And you and I are too. All of us are. You see, and in that, in that, what happens to us sometimes, and John sort of touched on this a couple weeks ago when he preached, we, we develop, we can develop a complex. Because we're afraid if we, if we encourage somebody that then, oh, well, you're just, you're just supporting their habits. You're just supporting their lifestyle. You're, no, 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 no. It, it, you know, I, I, I grew up in that era. I grew up in that era. I said, bless God, if you don't quit drinking that liquor, you're going to hell. Drinking that liquor ain't got a thing in the world to do with it when reality, in reality is you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and it's not about shaking my finger in his place, tell how dirty and low down he is because he's drinking that corn liquor. But my point of it is, I, hey, hey, hey John, have I, have you ever, have you ever had a relationship with Jesus? Do you know, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know Jesus can take everything that you're looking for in that clear gallon jug, everything that you're searching in that jug, you can find more in Jesus Christ. And we begin to encourage one another in the Lord and bring people under that place of knowing Jesus Christ in a right relationship. So get off, uh, don't worry about embracing somebody in their sin, but get on the horse if you would of introducing them to Jesus Christ because that is the answer to whatever is going on in their life. Dare to be a Barney. Encourage them in the Lord. Now here's the end of the story. I'm running late. It's all Nikki's fault because the batteries are dead in the clicker. So John Mark, if you read the story, it's apparent. John Mark succeeds in ministry. John Mark goes forward and he carries the gospel unto nations that Paul had not went to. But would he have done that if there hadn't been a Barnabas to encourage him? There's people in this room right now that, that you would not be where you're at right now if someone hadn't encouraged you. I would not be standing here right now if it hadn't been for people like uh, some some of some of you older ones in this room. I know some of the names I'm talking about. If it hadn't been for some people like old uh, Ballard, like old Walter Smith, old Walter brother Walter Smith encouraged old Dallas Jewel. Dallas Jewel kept me going. All these preachers that most of them have gone on before, but there there, there are people that encouraged me along the way. Oh oh. Uh, he, he wasn't a preacher, but old brother Dallas Eversole used to walk into the Austinsville, Virginia Assembly of God every week, and he had, he he was a little skinny man, but he had a grip uh, like like Ric Flair, and he grabbed my hand and said, "Are you still on the foreign line, boy?" Perhaps every one of us here is because somebody's encouraged us. And you and I can be an encouragement. You and I can be a difference maker in somebody else's life. The division quickly became healed. 
The division became heel because when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, you find there that the division is healed because Paul says, only Luke is with me. Go get Mark and bring him to me because he is helpful for me in ministry. Which brings me to a, another question. Could encouragement lead you into reconciliation? Could encouragement lead you into reconciliation? Early this week, early this week, the Lord, the Lord spoke into my spirit. I heard His voice in my spirit and He said, tell my people to be encouragers. There, you may be in a, you may in a circumstance where there may be division. Let me tell you something. If you will be an encourager, encouragement can lead to reconciliation. Encouragement can lead into many different things. Encouragement can lead into, uh, uh, resolving relationships, resolving issues, but be an encourager. Be an encourager. I promise you I'm fixing the land. So we all have a choice, probably every single day, to be an encourager or we can be an antagonistic. Over half the people, listen to this, over half of the people in the United States of America right now say they are discouraged in some form, some fashion or another. You and I, as people of God, we can't fix everything, we can't resolve everything, but we can encourage everybody if we choose to. You see, I find this verse of Scripture that says this. It says that both life and death lies within the power of our tongue. We can speak words of life into people, or we can speak words of death over them. We can speak encouragement in, into that into that young lady that that that... She didn't just find herself pregnant. She got pregnant. You can find that, that and, and her boyfriend's long gone. You can speak encouragement into their li- her life. You can speak encouragement into the, to the life of, uh, of, of that family member that, that, that another one of their family members has committed some hideous crime. You can speak encouragement into that family's life. You can speak encouragement into that family that, that's just had a tragedy to occur and maybe, maybe they're, they've lost that, that young person. Maybe they've lost that old grandma. What, it doesn't have, this age doesn't matter. You can speak encouragement into their life. Maybe you can find that Christian that has miserably failed. They let their guard down and they failed. They backslid and they turned their backs on God. And while there are some, we all know there's consequences in most every decision that must be absorbed, even amidst the consequences, you can speak encouragement into somebody's life. God says, be a Barney. Be a Barnabas. Be an encourager. How can we do that? Do it just like Jesus did. He encouraged a woman at the well. He didn't approve of her life. Not her lifestyle, I should say. But yet he encouraged her. Here's the ways we can encourage it. We can speak it. We can write it. Every single one of us, most of us in this room, I, I want to tell you something, most of us in this room, we have one of these and we're constantly talking with our fingers. 
You can type words of encouragement. You can speak words of encouragement. You can lend a helping hand. You can help somebody out physically. You can give to somebody of your time, of your talents, of your finances. You can be present. Sometimes somebody it's good just to have somebody to be close by. You can encourage somebody by giving them a handshake or even a hug where appropriate. Sometimes it's just good to buy somebody a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And a peach milkshake. So if you ever find me discouraged, you know where to take me to lunch. Sometimes, and in fact, all the time, we can pray for those that were around. In fact, the Bible tells us to pray. We quoted the old English version of King James. It says, pray ye one for another. Pray that we be encouraged. Pray that you be I pray that today that every single person in this room be encouraged. Regardless of what you're going through. Regardless of where you're at spiritually. Regardless of where you're at physically. Regardless of what you may have done or even what you may not have done. Regardless of what's going on in your life today. I pray that you be encouraged. Dare to be a Barney. Just don't be Barney Five. Just don't be old Barney Five. Old Barney, his favorite, one of his favorite things is nip it in the bud. But dare to be a Barney. Not a Barney Five, but a Barnabas. The son of encouragement. Let God use you to encourage somebody else along the way. You know, sometimes we let really silly things happen to us in our life. Any y'all ever run out of gas alongside the road? I have. Any good for somebody to just come by, give you a gallon of gas just to get you where you need to go to get some? Any of y'all ever been sick where you maybe can't do some chores around your house and somebody just comes along to end it good to have somebody just to encourage you and to bless you? Today, my admonition to you in this service is to be an encourager. Be an encourager. Cast off the antagonistic attitude. Be an encourager. Would you bow your head? you're in this room today the greatest encouragement that I can offer to you is that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is that you get get to know Him in that capacity that He becomes your Savior He becomes your best friend better than a best friend He's better than a brother if you're in this room without any embarrassment I'm not going to push you into anything no embarrassment at all but if you're in this room and you need to be saved or you need to rededicate your life with you simply slip up your hands and say, Pastor, pray for me. Nobody's looking around real quick. Anybody in this room?